have noticed that that was not our usual intro to Inappropriate Earl. Uh, no, me and Stevie Rochelle from the legendary 80s band Tough have not gotten into a squabble. Uh, that song was a hot new track, as they say. I feel like Casey Kasem right now. Uh, from my next guests, uh, who are going to be playing on uh, OzFest coming up in... Uh, September, and they are a three-piece band. Uh, I don't know if there is a spokesman of the band, so when I uh, talk to you guys, uh, feel free, uh, all three of you, to talk, preferably not at the same time. So we're going to introduce the members of the band, and to show you my research, I don't even know the name of the band. <laughs> so, uh, guys, what band do I have standing in front of me? Well, l I'll say it like I say it on stage. How about that? Sounds good. Do on it. bass guitar, the second coming of Christ, Mr. Kyle Christ. Hey, what's up? What's up, Internet? <laughs> on drums, we got my brother Max, a.k.a. Manic Max. <laughs> How's it going? It's good to be here. And my name's Dylan Scott, and we're still Rebel. Now, a lot of people think me and Max, everyone calls Max Baby Earl because we seem to look alike. <laughs> Especially as I've gotten a little bit older, we're really starting to... Uh, it's Friday. Guys, doubles. you can sit down. I just, okay. I, I stand, but uh, it's because my... Well, uh, this is kind of fun standing. Yeah, oh, yeah, this, you do whatever. You're the host, you know? So. Uh, <laughs> I wish this was being filmed. Four guys just standing around like 
in a West Hollywood apartment. With the mics, I'm yeah. sure that's never happened before. Oh, and there are the there are the mic knuckles. Yes, by uh, you know I have several sponsors of Inappropriate Earl, and I love them all. Uh, Beverly Kills Clothing Company, ProStockHockey.com, Stevie Rochelle from Tough, providing the music from day one. But probably my favorite is the great singer from Rat, Stephen Piercy. Uh, he has a company called Mike Knuckles. And basically, uh, they're for comics or musicians. If you want to look cool uh, while you're bombing at the Liquid Zoo, <laughs> you can uh, cool. put these. And he has like 100 different. Uh, Stephen Piercy's quite the entrepreneur. Uh, mm, but like there's those. right now, there's, there's three versions of Rat touring. So... Uh, <laughs> As a lesson to you guys, just get along. It's just there's more money in it. Uh, <laughs> so if you are a musician or a comic, you want something a little different to make you stand out, Mike Knuckles on Twitter, M I C, and then you can spell Knuckles yourself. Uh, but I want to get a pair. We should get yeah, a pair. I'm yeah, down for that, I'm yeah. telling you. Uh, let me. Uh, you know, I gave away my last pair to the uh, singer from Blackboard Jungle. Wow. Uh, just a band who, you know, should have been bigger, but they got they got there a little late to the party. Uh, but it was the '80s. So, but enough about other bands. <laughs> we're so I told you I don't plan these interviews. Yeah, which is quite uh, apparent by it's my free form. Well, it is. I don't know about you guys. Uh, I do a lot of podcasts where it's just, you know, it's almost like set up punch. You, you yeah. Know, hey, tell us about your band. Who are your influences? And I'll ask those questions you at know, some point. Speaking of free form, we've been doing a lot of sets that way lately. We've been kind of going up without a set list and just seeing how we interact on stage, right? Like what the vibe is. It's just keeping I, it loose, you know, whatever happens. I've been liking that. It's like pulling it, from the cloud. Like you, you, they're all up there in the bank and it's just. Yeah, and you, you base it off the vibe in the room. Because, you know, we used to go on and have like the set list like, like every friggin' band does. I don't know. It's not a, you know, an unnormal thing. But sometimes just sticking to that, it's a little stale. Now, it's, so you're basically almost doing what, say, uh, an improv comic would do. You don't have a, s not a set list in terms of your songs, but, like, you uh, go just, with the flow Yeah, more. we go with the flow. Yeah. You know, we'll know what we kind of want to start off with. And I don't know. It's been interesting. You know, some some bands, this is not, you know, they, like, switch up the set every night, so it's not an uncommon thing. But I don't know. We're, you know? When you really just break it down to delivering the music and doing it that way, it's cool because every night on stage you get to learn a different thing and you're, it's really an evolving process. Because so. I think I saw your guys first, I don't know if it was your first concert, but uh, at the Roxy, I be, no, it was at the Cat Club. Yeah, that was a long time ago. And that that I, was like one of our first. Kyle wasn't even involved with the group. I think you were a two-piece band at that we time. We were two-piece. Was I even singing? You were. Okay, I was singing. Because we were just a two-piece, me and Max, for a long time. And it would just be straight-up instrumentals. You know? I mean, y you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we, he I knows mean, that's he going in the way, band. That's going back years. But but that's what was that, like, uh, geez, maybe six years ago? Five, six years ago? Mm. Six, seven, maybe. Uh, I was working at the Coffee Bean at the time. I mean, it was forever ago. And then how did you – was it uh, – did you decide on bringing in a third member just to fill out the sound or was it just, yeah, this is actually, this is actually a cool story. The way Kyle got involved with the group, um, me and Kyle met at this place called Marty's. 
You yeah, got Marty's. five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and Marty's is like, uh, you know, it's a real, it's a down and dirty open mic in West Hollywood. Real down and real dirty. It's, it's the dirtiest it gets. And it was around the time um, my dad uh, was putting together his Showtime special, Dice Indestructible. Now, let's, I don't mean to interrupt, but just for... Just so to make it make sense. Just to have this make sense, uh, Dylan and Max's father is the uh, legendary Andrew Dice Clay. Yes. Um, who, I got to be honest with you, and this is about you guys, but I first was a fan of your dad's through the TV show Crime Story. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I liked him long before I knew he was a comic. But so just so now that makes sense that, you know, when we're talking about Dice uh, and proceed. Okay, so this is like end of 2012 or something and uh my dad's putting together dice indestructible and we had already decided that me and dylan were gonna do a song on the special just to kind of give it a family element and at that time i was at marty's one night and uh, i knew kyle played bass he knew i played drums and he was like yo you guys working on anything and i was like you know we actually are trying to put something together we should we should try jamming and he came over one day, and it was just magic. I mean, he fit in immediately. It was effortless. It was just like, oh, that's the missing ingredient that this group's been looking for. And so we uh, we practiced this song called Outlaw all summer long. Played per- Outlaw about 200 times that summer. Yeah, <laughs> we played yeah. it a lot. We would, uh, we would practice it at my dad's shows in Vegas at the Riviera. We would run through it every night getting it ready for the taping and uh people could see the performance that we did on dice and destructible it was the first time uh, we ever really did anything together now can people uh that you like is it on a website people can check it out like does your dad have a website where people can go see that it's either on youtube okay or you could buy the special at lolflix.com Okay, so nice plug for LOL Flex. <laughs> or show, sometimes Showtime airs it, so it's definitely out there. No, big shout out to LOL. They did our yeah. first uh, music video, too. LOL so. Flix yeah. also directed our music video. Scott Montoya. Scott Montoya. Shout out particular. to Scott Montoya. He, re- he did yes. us a solid. See, this podcast has more plugs than... Uh, <laughs> We're just a plug cast. Uh, shout out to uh, you know what? It's I like sh- giving shout. I love it. It's good yeah. s- to mean, support yeah, the not? people that you know help. Oh, you I have uh, so many people who've. Uh, I'm certainly not successful, but whatever, whatever I have is due to mainly other people. <laughs> you know, we were talking about the Liquid Zoo, which is uh, I would say that's a down and dirty open mic, <laughs> uh, but that's like where I honed being a comic, and and you guys go and like. You know, there's a lot of people to thank along the way, for sure. Now, it, it, what, is there pressure having, uh, you know, I know me being related to the Kennedys, my aunt is Ethel Kennedy, uh, you know, I wouldn't say there's pressure on me because it's, it's just by marriage, so it's, it's not that big of a deal. But uh, being that you have a pretty famous dad, is uh, do you guys have to work harder to say, hey, we're not where we're at because we're Dice Clay's kids, or has it affected you guys at all in that regard? Uh, I definitely, you know, growing up, I get better at dealing with it. You know, I used to be like, I really was afraid to live in the shadow of what he did, you know, is doing, you know, his career. And so it was hard. You know, I I didn't even want to wear like leather jackets on stage (laughs) because I would be like, no, like you wear leather. And you look at every rock band, everyone's, you know, wearing leather. It's 
yeah. you know, but I, just him being my dad, I'd be like afraid. But, you know, I'm 21. My birthday is next month. I'm going to be turning 22. So at this age, I think, you know, I'm dealing with it a lot better. You know, he's our manager. I mean, he he's a huge part of our career. You know, we would not be where we are at, you know, just in terms of his support, you know, without him, we would not be where we're at. Um, we just recorded this album Valley days, you know, this past year. And I mean, it's an insane story. He funded the album, you know, he would be in Vegas, you know, cause he's building his career right now. You know, he's getting where he wants to be, but he'd be in Vegas at blackjack tables you know, calling me up going, you know, I just want some money, you know, book some more studio time. <laughs> uh, you know, just his support and has been, you know, tremendous just our, our whole lives. And so he's really been a positive influence on it all. Yeah, know, I to, imagine to, it's to a little easier that you guys are musicians and not comics. Uh, because I think if you were trying to be stand ups, it would be like, oh, they're just on stage because Dice got on the spot. You yeah. Know, with that whole thing, it's like I try not to. What, what, what exactly is the question? I'm, uh, I'm just a little well, confused. I mean, the question was. Uh, Kyle, do you feel any pressure? No. From if anyone <laughs> wants to give me a spot because I'm uh, friends with Andrew, I'll take it. So. Well, that's probably Kyle not Price. gonna. That's not gonna happen. So it's a, <laughs> it's a cold business, Holmes. Uh, well, no. The question was. Do I feel pressure? Well, because of your dad being uh, a legend, really, and he is. There's, uh, I mean, it's not kissing your guy's ass. It's just he's, you know, one of the biggest comics of all time. And yeah. like, uh, I think what's impressive about how he did it is when he blew up. There's no fucking was internet. Nothing, nothing. Yeah. No MySpace. No Twitter. Instagram. Facebook. So he went out, busted his ass, got on Rodney's. Uh, you know, young and upcoming comic special, and he did it like putting flyers on street poles, basically, uh, versus some of the comics and bands now. Uh, so, but the, but the original question was, do you guys feel pressure? You to, know, like, live up to. An you know, it's something I, I definitely try not to think about. I know it's something that whoever watching me, you know, will probably think about, but it's like I try not to let it be running through my mind. You know, I just got to do my thing. And, you know, if other people want to judge or, you know, think whatever they think in regards to, you know, my dad being my dad, you know, let them think it. I'm just, uh, I'm just doing my own thing. Yeah. It's very Zen, but it's, it's also something like I embrace who my dad is. I embrace what he's done, what he's doing. I'm not looking to shy away from it. You know, like even right now, I don't mind talking about it. You know, I don't sell myself on it, but it's like, it's it's my family. Oh yeah, know? but I mean, you know, it, it in a way, like when I told you, hey, we're gonna talk about you guys, not your dad. I I just I felt that it's uh, you know important part of the story from the standpoint of it's part of who you guys are and like part of the what you have to deal with. You know, uh, like when I saw you guys that time at the Cat Club five six years ago i looked at you guys as a band I, oh these are dice's kids just fucking around like you earned <laughs> it is i guess what i'm trying to say you know what this past year has been huge like with recording you know what we what we did because yeah you do worry about you know kind of a public perception of oh they're just here because they're dice's kids right but you know 
you kind of have to prove yourself, I guess. And we didn't have anything recorded for a long time. And I guess that's, you know, proof, quote unquote, proof in the music industry of, you know, if it's recorded, you got it. So for so long, we would just play live shows and we'd tell people about the band and it'd be like, cool, cool. You know, can I hear anything? And be like, no, nah, you know, we right. don't got anything, but we're really happy with the way Valley Days came out. And um, so that's just kind of helped, like, solidify almost what we're doing, you know? it. It's, I mean, the fact of the matter is we put in the work. We've honed our craft. We've played up and down Sunset. We played the Whiskey. We played the Troubadour. We, we played the Kibitz Room. We, we play all over the place, and we're really great at what we do, you know? So it's like people could say that they're dice as kids, but when they listen to the music, I mean, it's undeniable. Oh, it's great. You know? I mean, and like, I'm an 80s metalhead. I love that cheese, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people who know me say I have the worst taste in, in music. What? I mean, well, I, I, I know you love rat, but I love rat too. Well, you know, I just, uh, that was my era, man. So like, I, I think the problem now is when I tell someone I like rat, you know, they go online and, google rat that's with two t's if you feel so inclined <laughs> don't just google rat because then you know the rodent stuff comes up and they see three rats touring you know the bobby blotzer rat experience which is him and four dudes he probably met the troubadour then you've got the bass player you know juan crochet the voice the other voice of rat touring on his thing and then you got the singer it's, it's like i don't know if people want one version of rat touring right now but uh so I think they see like most bands from the 80s aren't faring well right now. I mean, outside of maybe Bon Jovi. And even he's stooping solo to do the direct TV commercials. <laughs> and luckily, we, uh, we got GNR back. Luckily. I was there. Got yeah, GNR you went back. to that, that Dodger Stadium show. With the, the lovely Emily and Sophie from the Comedy Store. And uh, I mean, that's another almost a bigger example of like, you know, you. You say you're a Guns N' Roses fan. To me, I remember when Axel was, you know, skinny and, you know, looked like Axel Rose, and you know now he looks like Greg Allman. and <laughs> you know Slash got a bit of a belly, and you know pacemaker, and you know Duff is sober and completely jacked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's Kane Roberts. Jacked. Duff looks amazing. It's Guns yeah, yeah. 2.0. Like put it all together, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, uh, but you, you know, younger people who see this version of Guns N' Roses it's like oh these guys are all right I love the black drummer by the way Fearless Frank, Frank. yeah he's, he's awesome. great something uh, kind of cool uh, Duff actually Duff and his wife came to see us play at the other door uh, about six months ago and uh, Duff and my dad go way back and oh, I bet <laughs> I didn't know Duff was going to be at the show and uh, you know I kind of spotted him there and you know I tried not to look at him you know because it was like this you know, far just, from us he yeah. was right there <laughs> so uh you know I'm just you know thinking like you know don't fuck up you know Duff's here tonight and uh he remember he actually said to my dad after the show he's like they're ready that's amazing you know so we got the Duff stamp of approval he was telling me how much he enjoyed you know my drumming I'm not trying to brag I'm just you know but you're a great drummer man I mean like I I've no, but I mean those guys, you know, when people like that, Duff they're like it. your idols when they come up to you. And yeah, I mean, this is a guy, you know, that I've studied my entire life. When I was in middle school, I'd watch GNR live at the Tokyo Dome 92 and just study <laughs> yeah, those that was DVDs. The 
you know so now years later duff going you know telling me i know what i'm doing is like oh shit like maybe i do know what i'm doing at this little dive in north hollywood and these are the gigs that got us like the late late show booking which then in turn got us the Ozfest. it's been like this this ball that's just been growing it it has been a a, a upward progress you know should we like lay out? I don't know. Should we lay out a little like timeline of the band? Yeah, we're gonna get into that. Uh, <laughs> just wanted to make sense to everyone listening. Yeah, yeah. We jumped. We just jumped right <laughs> into it. But that's the uh, allure of this podcast. We we might start talking about Rad again in three minutes. Uh, I mean, we won't because I don't want to. You know, uh, you're all right there. Colin? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I'm, I'm, I, like, the, I like this situation. The yeah. Zen Buddha. This is uh, so I mean, because how like you you guys are young. But you have like an old, uh, like you like like Black Sabbath and stuff, yeah. and and like, like when you two, we'll start with, you know, the brothers. Okay. Was uh, did you find growing up, you guys had similar taste in music, or did you like harder metal or not metal, but you know, did you guys like the same bands? Well, our dad, you know, really introduced us to a lot of the music we know. You know, driving to school, he'd put on these cassette tapes that he'd make and they were mixes you know sometimes it'd be sammy davis and sinatra and all that kind of stuff but then you know it could be a disco tape it could be you know zeppelin on the tape and so we kind of really just grow up listening you know to a wide variety of stuff but yeah when i got older and started playing the guitar that's when I really started getting into like the rock side of things, you know, Alice in Chains, Black Sabbath, stuff like that. Um, so that's when I really, you know, got into the that that kind of stuff. Did it, you it have was a just a natural? That's just what I was listening to it. You know, that's all the music I knew. I almost like didn't go out and search for music. It was almost like the house was filled with so much music already. You know, I was here in Chicago and this and that. I was like, oh, cool. You know, it was, you know, we like uh, we grew up with like the greatest music ever done just playing in the house. Right. You know, so we weren't, you know, we weren't like listening to whatever was on the radio at the moment. My dad would just like, you know, make these mixes and we got into them and and not to you know we keep bringing up Guns N' Roses, but it was like that was the one rock band that we were like, oh, shit this this is affecting me so i mean they they were the template in terms of like who we studied i mean they really changed the game i almost look at them as almost the first grunge band because like you know at that time before they had pop you had like poison was a huge band uh def leppard in their real glammy uh you know days uh cinderella you know right before appetite was like one of the bigger bands on mtv Kiss was like an older version of Bon Jovi, you know, just <laughs> pumping out those Desmond Child cheese songs. Uh, and then they came along and it's like made every band, like those bands look ridiculous. Like Warren's video for Cherry Pie, which is probably the, the last big 80s metal, you know, glam video. And then I think a couple months later, Appetite's out where it's like, wow. Uh, yeah. The drummer's not going to be hitting cherry pies in this video. <laughs> so they like just totally, I mean, they weren't grunge, but they were like different. You know, I think it also resonated with me just how badass they were, you know, and I'm also first hearing it when I'm like 10 years old and I'm like a shy, reserved, 
quiet kid and you know and i'm seeing these guys who just don't give a fuck about anything i mean i just i idolize these dudes yeah so I mean. that's what really got me into uh to playing rock drums and that definitely influenced our style I mean, I remember driving by Geffen Records one day, which, uh, not to get too uh, Google Earth on people, but like uh, Geffen Records used to be right, uh, basically Sunset and Doheny, and I remember seeing them stand outside. Uh, they must have just been signed, but I remember Slash vividly in the top hat and Adler's blonde mane. It's like, well, who are these homeless guys? I mean, they, they <laughs> who is that? Yeah, they looked like uh, they were vagrants walking around, and it hit me, you know, a couple months later, wow, that was Guns N' Roses on the street. Wow. And, uh, you know, I mean, that song, Welcome to the Jungle, like, being a comic and dealing with all the cesspool that I deal with, that song really encaptures making it. Yeah. Trying to make it, like, in this town, whether it's musician, comic, (laughs) actor, if you got the money, honey, we got your disease. And that, I, I, that might be the greatest lyric, like that encaptures like Los Angeles and all the dirt in this city, from the Liquid Zoo to the Rainbow to the North Door. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean their lyrics really speak and to people. You know that could have resonated with us too, because I mean we're from you know me and Max grew up in L.A. Yeah, and. You know, not all of them are from L.A., but they were an L.A. band. Yeah. And they spoke about the city and stuff. They're just, uh, Kyle, where are you from? Uh, I'm originally East Coast, like south of Pittsburgh, and then I spent some time in New York, uh, and then came out here in 2010. Okay. Yeah. So you were back there in the the late 80s in the Cinderella Britney Fox era. Oh, yeah. I was more into the, I was like Bon Jovi- uh, poison, even M- more of the kind of like the poppier side of butt rock, <laughs> <laughs> butt rock, yeah, cock Which, rock, uh, butt rock. But I mean, that it's hard to explain that era to people who weren't there. Like, when were you born? What year? 94. I'm 90, so you know, I just what? missed it. Oh, dude, you I guys ju- really I just did. Missed it, man. 86, 97, it was just like. It's an era you'll never see uh, in music, uh, you know, just the uh, the grand scale of the concerts, the outfits, the you know, the wackiness of just every band talking about pussy. You know, there's no songs about the rainforest or, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, Welcome to the Jungle was just like the first serious song. I'm like, oh, man, these guys aren't talking about pussy. <laughs> uh, so it was just, uh, but to troll the Sunset Strip back then was just like. You know what? I mean. Every, you know, genre that's like at the top is just talking about pussy. <laughs> in you know, one way it's or another. like at, at that point in time, it was those rock bands that were, you know, that was the thing. Now it's rap and everyone's talking about the same stuff, basically. Right. But <laughs> I think I in wrong? the 80s, <laughs> no, you know. it was more tongue in cheek. Like, you know, you watch a po- any poison video <laughs> and it's just four dudes who look like chicks uh, you know, talking about I want action. Yeah. You know, they're not talking about Trump or, <laughs> you know, immigration. St- you know, it's like, and then Appetite for Destruction came out. And it's like Mr. Brownstone and yeah, songs like that. Like, wow, this is a whole. And then Grunge came shortly after that. And 
just uh and then boy bands came to rescue my <laughs> my faith in the music industry you can't get too serious you know we gotta, we gotta swing it back to the sugary side yeah well it all it does uh music seems to come full circle like you had the glam bands and then you had appetite for destruction and, and grunge and then you know 94 uh the backstreet boys were killing it mm -hmm. so and then they kind of died out and now we're kind of you know Guns N' Roses is reviving, uh, you know, they took, Axel took a little sabbatical the last couple of years, 10 years. Yeah, if you had Heritage now, it's paying off, but New Rock is, you can't hear that anywhere on the radio. There's no, there's no guitars. Yeah, it's, I think, uh, I think we are a band that is helping kind of bring back this, this old school style of playing rock, which is. Hitting drums, playing the bass, <laughs> and plugging a guitar into a distorted amp and, you know, going for it. Yeah, I mean, there's not it, many. You guys could be, like, uh, I don't mean to plug my own stuff, but, like, how Roast Battle in the comedy world is bringing back uh, un-PC humor and, and, you know, maybe uh, comedy stylings of, like, your dad and Kennison, just this balls-to-the-wall wackiness. Hmm. You guys are, like, uh, I don't know, I listen to you guys, and I... I hear a little Sabbath influence, but then I, I see like you know those bands in the '70s like Cream and like y you know uh, you're bringing back playing instruments. Yeah, which well, is it, it's weird to see, like I can't even believe yeah, I'm hearing like, that. Like, you're bringing back playing not instruments. The norm now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's you know there's no drum machine, there's no uh, sampled you know. No, the way we went in to record this album was all live. It was you know no metronome. We just the feeling that is created between the three of us is what we find really special, and that's what we look to capture. This really natural, it's three guys doing this live. Right. You know, it takes us to make these songs. It's No one can just come and hit a button, yeah, and the all, song will play. All three of us just playing at the same time, like they did in the 60s and 70s. Did you watch the VMAs last night? You catch I that? didn't even know they had music videos. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you can have an award show. I mean, uh, I'm not. I'm not trying to like be funny. It's just I. I can't recall the last time I've seen a world premiere of a video uh, on MTV. Uh, how were they? It was cool. It was good. It, you know what? It was actually a really. They, I thought it was a great VMAs. They uh, gave Rihanna the Video Vanguard Award. So throughout the whole show, she was performing her song. Kanye gave a great speech. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's not my shtick, but I mean. Uh, now, Kyle, what? Who are your musical influences? Um, I'm every everything across the spectrum. I mean, I'm into the your your Beatles and Stones. I'm into your Zeppelin yeah. and Sabbath. I'm into, like I said, Bon Jovi. Uh, you know, Soundgarden, Nirvana, just across time, just rock in general, and and whatever that includes. Like I'm into Memphis Soul, and I'm into, uh, you know. 70s punk and whatever it is i played in a ska band in college so like whatever whatever it's been whatever I, it's been rock i and think roll. the three of us are just big music appreciators you know because I, I know with like three different uh you guys seem to be locked in together i mean you can tell just sitting here you guys are like it's a cohesive uh mix but like is it like when new material was brought to the uh studio for uh, some of the songs you guys did is it uh, do you guys just like the how song, do you go about you know, it the songs i mean technically 
I've written the songs up to this point so far, but they were all just formed over playing, you know, live, whether it be in our living room or at the kibitz room. But that's how we we formed the songs. Then we went into the studio knowing what we're doing. It wasn't like, okay, let's go in here and and write all these new songs. You know, we kind of had a solid plan. Sounds very much like the Motorhead plan. Just <laughs> what's that? Uh, Mo- Motorhead, uh, three-piece band, and uh, yeah, Lemmy would be the principal, uh, I guess, songwriter. But the other two members would have input into uh, maybe uh, scoring the music. Is that is that a fair? Uh, so do you take the vocals and say, "Hey, Max, this is like," do you go? How do you discuss the arrangements? Well, basically, Dylan will he'll write the riff, he'll come up with the words, and then I will just add the drum beat, put in the fills where I feel they should go, and then Kyle will add whatever he feel the song needs bass-wise. And me and Max live together, so th- you know the songwriting process isn't like a set-in-stone thing. It's very fluid, you know. We try to keep it organic. And so, yeah, we'll just play whenever we kind of get inspiration. You know, we could sit down, and then Kyle comes over and puts his bass line down. I mean, there are a few occasions where... Sometimes I'll look at Max and be like, hey, I just hear something really specific. Can you try it? You know, but other than that, it's it's like I'll just start the genesis of it and then we'll just get together and it will really just come together. You know, everyone just puts their spin on it and they're right. Am I, you know, that's, no, you're saying it right. Yeah. And, and Kyle, like, do you ever bring ideas to the table? And say, hey, this is a maybe not lyrics but like this is a uh, baseline i have can you maybe work some vocals and and guitar into that or we haven't done that yet but yeah. you know usually i'll come in and just i'm trying to find my place in because uh, you know i gotta be i need to be syncopated with the bass drum but then i sometimes i gotta be syncopated with the guitar riff so it's trying to find that mix so more important for you to be, you know, because I remember once when I saw Kiss play, uh, and this is when they had Peter Chris in the band, and uh, he had more triggers on his drums than a gun store. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was the weirdest thing to see a, a guy in his, and no disrespect, he's, I love him, but like he's got to be early 60s now. He would literally, you know, like barely hit the drum and this huge explosion would yeah. like, so wait a minute, that's not really mad. I mean, uh, and the band was looking at him. I've never seen this in a concert before. You know, Gene, Paul, and Tommy, the guy they dress up as Ace, you know, it's like the Jewish yeah. Menudo now. <laughs> you could tell at certain points they were looking at him, hey, dude, you got to speed it up. And then they'd slow down, and then it was like a clusterfuck. Uh, mm. Is it more important for you to be in step with Max or Dylan? Or is it different on each song? Usually it's uh, I'm, lo- I'm locking into Max. Uh, I'm usually the bass drum. That's where if uh, my default I line, that's where I'll be staring at. If especially when we're learning the songs, um, just because that keeps it that keeps it together. You know, you got to be locked in. And but typically in music, isn't that what it is? I mean, bass and drums like yeah, lock I in mean, together. you know, that's what I'm not uh, I'm not gonna name drop. But when superstar producer Brendan O'Brien came to the other door, that's what his, that was his one note for me was like get locked in really? on the bass drum yeah wow i mean we'd been we'd, we had a few drinks or at least i had you know right well no i mean when i would ever uh, go see motorhead play uh i would always notice lemmy and the drummer mickey would always be uh they would seem to have a little more focus on each other and, and phil the guitar player would you know kind of do not do his own thing but like 
Yeah. They're like, all right, we don't. You're good, just doing whatever you're doing. But Mickey and uh, Lemmy. By the way, go see the rainbow statue of Lemmy. Oh, uh, I haven't seen it yet. It's amazing. I mean, they really captured his essence. Really? Yeah, I just like that. Out. It's like he's alive. Uh, wow. So I gotta go see that. And some people are probably so bombed out at the rainbow after midnight they probably think he is alive. Yeah. I can't um. wait for the Chris Holmes statue from Wasp. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it. Hope the track marks are included on the arms. So, but now you, Max, took drum. Can we say who you took drum lessons from? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, who did you take drum lessons from? Um, Car- you talking about Carmine Apice? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, when I was uh, when I was like ten years old, Carmine Apice, and uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know, Carmine, sure. Carmine invented hard rock drumming. I mean, I mean he yeah. did. He, you know, he came out before Bonham. Everything you hear to this day from rock drumming Carmine is you know he started it so uh, when I was 10 he gave me a couple of lessons but then when I was 16 that's when I really studied with him and he'd come over and we'd do like you know two three hour sessions and sometimes my dad would like pay him in clothing you know because <laughs> Carmine could be expensive but my dad would come down with like a like a garbage bag filled with like sweatshirts you know and workout wear and I've gotten one of those. It's a, it's a good it's a good deal. <laughs> yeah, I'd be down with that. He's got a lot of cool sweatshirts. <laughs> one time he gave uh, Carmine this uh, this like really industrial shower head, <laughs> and this shower head was actually illegal because illegal. No, you couldn't get it anymore because it like it blasted the water out at such a powerful. Oh, I would love such that. A, in such a way that you couldn't get it, and I think also because of the drought or something, they didn't want water being used yeah. like that, but. So we give Carmine the shower head, but I mean, Carmine taught me a lot of really amazing stuff on the kit. He really did, and I, c- I could hear his playing in mine, but I mean, I, I also had a bunch of drum teachers. and uh, Cra- yeah. Crazy enough, we Carmine was in a band called Cactus, right. who had a song called Evil, and we have a remake of Evil on our album. The it's the one remake we've done, and... Uh, it was introduced to us by this this other producer, George Draculius. He kind of came into you know our lives and introduced us to some cool music, and we were gonna work with him. But uh, yeah, so he showed us this song, and it, we started playing it live, and it made it onto the album, and it's kick ass. Did really Carmen cool. write the song? Carm- uh, yeah, I mean he's drumming on it. I don't oh. know if he wrote the song. So it could be some publishing yeah, Cac- issues. Cactus was like. Oh no! Yeah, no. The original song was written uh, by Howlin' Wolf, actually. I so mean, Cactus came along in the 70s and remade Howlin' Wolf's version. And and we came along and... We took we took Cactus's yeah, version. Yeah, every band has just beefed it up even more. Yeah. <laughs> Don't give a Kiss any ideas. They might uh, <laughs> be putting Cactus out on their next album. Well, and the other big drum highlight on the album is, this, is Max's amazing solo, which when was the last time you heard... A drum solo on wax, like it'd be like Count Basie or something. You'd have to go back to. But yeah, this is. Uh, thank you, Kyle. Thank I would you. Say uh, Kelly Keegan and the Night Ranger tour. Okay, all right. <laughs> you know, the one thing I gotta say that I'm really proud with this drum solo. There's a drum solo I grew up listening to. It was Ginger Baker's solo on the bl- on the Blind Faith record, and it's a song called "Do What You Like," and it's like this, like. 10 minute song where Baker does this epic drum solo so I feel w- uh, with what I did on this song called Escape I do my epic 
drum solo. And I, you know, I don't just go nuts up front. I really build it and I, you know, I, I let it go from level to level to level. And then of course, at the end I go nuts, but it just felt really good to lay down my solo, right? you know? And I think people are really going to, not just the solo, they're going to love the whole record. I mean, it's And when does it come out? Do we know uh, when the record uh, still in progress? Well, still the, in it's, progress. It's done. Yeah, it's just a matter of when is the best time to put this out so that it's going to have maximum impact. We got a, a music video up online right now. And where can people see that? You just go to YouTube, type in Still Rebel, and the song is called Breathing, no yeah. G. And uh, I mean, it's a it's a badass. You, you rock could video. check out all of our stuff. I'm gonna give us a plug. I'm gonna Please, plug but up. this is the whole point yeah, of the yeah, podcast. Yeah. Check it. out all our stuff. You can go to stillrebel.com, and all our social media tags are at stillrebelband. And yeah, I mean, we could play breathing. We could play the song that we did the video to. I mean, if you guys want to. Uh you know, we'll let Kyle seems to be the go-to. Uh, yeah, let's see. Let's uh, see. Yeah, so uh, we're going to play a second cut off the album. And uh, Max, and, uh, while they're uh, doing that, uh, when is the OzFest that you guys will be on? We're doing OzFest September 24th. And that's at the where? The San Manuel Amphitheater in San Bernardino. And we're going to be opening the festival at 1140 in the morning. It's going to be a hot one. <laughs> yeah so I mean, but i mean that's where uh you know people don't realize a lot of yeah yeah well uh let's talk about ozfest before we play anything because that's a big deal yeah man, like, i don't even think it's it's kicked into me like mm -hmm. how big of a deal it is i yeah. mean this is the number one music festival uh it's certainly in america i mean we don't really have music festivals in america yeah ozfest is like the original rock festival right i mean it, this is the 20th anniversary of it you know it's ozfest meets not fest it's two days saturday's ozfest sunday's not fest and and not fest is what just slipknot so yeah that's right. their festival and, and what's nuts is uh i mean sharon osborne booked us personally yeah the the way we got booked on ozfest is very just crazy and strange in itself i mean when did we do the Late Late Show? When was that? February that 2015. Okay, so like February 2015. That's when it aired. We had taped it. Yeah, we taped it months months before that. But Sharon Osbourne happened to be, you know, one of the guests when we did the Late Late Show. And, you know, knowing that just her being there, like this whole universal thing of, you know, her just seeing that performance. And then, you know, almost like a year later, we get we get a text from her going you want to play on this 20th anniversary of Ozfest and it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, Black Sabbath is they're like beyond a band. They, I don't even they mean more to music, that, you know, it's yeah. crazy and they invented heavy metal. Yeah, you know? so just to be a part and of devil that, worship. <laughs> <laughs> for it just to be a part of it is is unbelievable. Well, it's like the, you know, I mean, that's in part why I went to Guns N' Roses at Dodger Stadium like the days of these huge festivals and outdoor shows are like coming to a close i mean there's very few bands i mean ozzy maybe guns and roses and i guess coldplay i played the, the rose bowl like there's not a lot of bands who can do these massive shows and springsteen of course uh, uh but it's gonna be a sad day like when these older i mean springsteen's in his 60s now the people need a people need a new band 
They do. I mean, you guys could be the uh, the forerunners of bringing back, uh, and it's weird to say it, like bands who actually play their instruments. Yeah, that's why this festival is so important. Like, it's is the is finding audience is the hardest thing. And so, if we're playing the Kibitz Room, they might not be all rock fans, you know. Or if we're playing, at, you know, when we're we played with Steve Trevino, you're like who knows what they're well, when you're playing Ozfest, you know they're rock fans, they're hard rock fans. It's like it's our job to convert these people. They're there to see Sabbath when we've got some savvy grooves in yeah. some of our songs. Like it, it, it's just the perfect alignment. When you finally get to be in front of an audience that wants to hear and see music, you're like, yes, thank God, you know? Yeah. It doesn't happen all the time. Now, do you guys uh, have any uh, power balance I can sink my teeth in? We got a power ballad, We kind of do, yeah. (laughs) Hello, darling. That's the ballad on the album. And uh, written by you? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. You're going to bring in a co-writer like Diane Warren or... uh, (laughs) Holly Knight or the great Desmond Child to just pump out some cheese. Maybe yeah. for the second record. Yeah, well, there are, yeah. Let's just get, yeah. Yeah, yeah, get that. So, but, but I asked you, like, when the record might be released, do you think uh, possibly since Ozfest will put you guys on the map in terms of, you know, a, a completely uh, hope so. a huge fan yeah, base? Let's, let's uh, hope it, you know. It's so, Ozfest is going to be our introduction to the rock and roll world. And, uh, I mean, we're really going to look to give it to them. And even before OzFest, we're doing the Heidi and Frank birthday bash on September 17th. That's going to be a 1,000 people. My birthday. But I'll just give myself oh, nice. a plug. We'll get you in there. <laughs> I will come there. I, I'm booked uh, in Irvine that day to see the Hair Nation Metal Festival. But, uh, you know, I mean, h- how many more times am I going to be able to see uh, Britney Fox and Enough's Enough? <laughs> you know, uh, and it's not really even uh, Brittany Fox is down to one original member. I mean, you talk about a guy holding on. I mean, he's really got peanut butter. Uh, so, but the last time you saw Still Rebel was at the Cat Club. Uh, yeah, it wasn't I mean, even Still Rebel. It was just like Max and Dylan Rocks. back then. Yeah, that was the beginning of <laughs> yeah, LA it Rocks. was LA Rocks. That was like <laughs> before there was Striper, there was Rocks regime. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I'm I've been there from day one. Uh, now to set up this next track, I feel one of my Eddie Trunk uh, on Hair Nation. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, me and Eddie Trunk aren't enemies. Uh, I've never met. The, I met the Eddie guy Trunk's once. nice. I, you know, That's I met cool. the guy once. It wasn't the most pleasurable experience, but uh, he could get tense sometimes. He's a good dude, but he could get tense. Well, uh, the thing is, my buddy drums for Slash uh, when Slash is in, in uh, Guns N' Roses, and uh, my buddy uh, said, "Hey, just go back." Uh, in our dressing room and you know la shows are crazy you got to get all your friends back and uh, so it was me my girlfriend at the time and eddie trunk uh and he just he didn't really talk to us he's like who are i mean i'm sure he's a great guy and then uh, is your friend brett yes brent fitz brent it's i met him at a a magazine rack vegas right no i'm uh over in studio city okay and um i was gonna be this is like a year or two ago i was gonna be entering in the guitar center drum off and this guy's standing at the magazine rack, and he, he just looked rocker. You know, yeah. I felt a vibe from him. And I was like, uh, he was looking at a drum magazine, so I'm like, are you a drummer or something? And he's like, he played it down. He's like, yeah, you know, I play some drums. And then a few weeks later, I, I saw him playing with Slash on TV, and I'm like, oh, shit. that's He's that so good. Uh, I mean, I was kind of, although I love Frank and Guns N' Roses now, I, I was, I think uh, the way Brent plays the Guns N' Roses songs is a little more... Uh, akin to adler's style but frank's amazing i mean, I mean uh, but you know 
I wish they would have used Matt and Steven. I think with Matt, there was some definite bridges burned uh, with him and Axel. And, yeah. uh, I don't know Axel, but he just strikes me as the kind of guy who holds a grudge. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not, uh, I don't know why I get that vibe, but I, he just doesn't seem like someone who forgets easily. So I don't think Matt was ever an option. I, I just don't think Adler can do a tour. I mean, you could tell on Friday night at Dodger Stadium, he, he didn't struggle, but like he, those two songs knocked it out of him. Yeah, it's and they're playing like you know three hours basically. Yeah, so I mean Frank, they need they need an athlete behind the kit. Basically, basically. I, I, although I noticed with the black drummer in the band now, they cut out the song "One in a Million. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I I love that song. I know there's some messed up shit said in it, but it's a great song. Uh, and for those of you who aren't Guns N' Roses fans, let's just say uh, Axel talks about certain uh, sexual orientations and uh, ethnicities and. Uh, I'm sure when you have a 350-pound, uh, basically, offensive lineman on drums <laughs> who's uh, African-American, uh, I'm sure My Michelle was a better song uh, to uh, you know, pump in. So we're going to uh, play another song off the album. Uh, you got, Who wants to set this it up? This is the power ballad. No, I'm kidding. This is, uh, this is what we shot our music video for. It's called Breathing. You can check it out on YouTube. Here it is. <laughs> Cool. 
back, stay cool. I'm just breathing, nothing else to do. Night ass, well, just breathe on you. guys uh we're just we're not we're breaking the rules here at uh, inappropriate earl uh you know guys this has uh been awesome to have you guys on you know this I, has been a lot of fun man thank you well i love you know i've loved you guys for a long time and kyle i don't think we've ever met no i've seen you uh, sometimes at potluck uh, but uh this is our official meeting right. i don't yeah. know what potluck is i'm a star now <laughs> I'm a basic cable star. Congrats on, congrats on that, too, by the way. Congrats. Oh, well, I channeled a little bit of your dad's uh, uh, persona, you know, the, the Dice Man persona. Because uh, he had, that was the amazing thing I loved about him was, uh, and is, his, his, he's got an amazing stage presence. Like some comics walk on stage or bands or really any performers and, you know, they're just there. Uh, your dad was not just there. And I'd like to, uh, I, I'd like to say the first movie I ever saw your dad in was uh, Making the Grade with Judd Nelson. So just, uh, you know, point of being, you guys are opening OzFest. You know, a lot of people are like, you know, traditionally, who are the openers? Well, guess what? Today's openers become tomorrow's headliners, whether it be actors, musicians, comics. So, uh, you know, I, don't, I know a lot of you guys at OzFest and uh, NotFest are there to see Slipknot and uh, Ozzy and Sabbath. But uh, pay attention to the openers because they're not just friends of mine, but uh, they're bringing back, you know, bands who actually play. So uh, where can people find you guys on your own Twitters, the band's Twitter, Instagram? People could find us at Still Rebel Band, and that's our Instagram, that's our Twitter, Facebook, at Still Rebel Band. Also, stillrebel.com. And uh, check out uh, ghettogaggers.org. <laughs> Nothing about the band on that side. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kyle, where do you guys have like Twitter accounts? Yeah, for your yeah. Own? What are your guys' Twitter? My Twitter is just Kyle Kreis, K-Y-L-E-C-H-R-I-S-E. And uh, my personal Instagram is Max Silverstein. If you want to follow yeah, me, also. Uh, no, okay, no. cool, cool. No, I no go, I go through the Still Rebel account. Uh, yeah, smart man. Shadow <laughs> accounts. <laughs> um, and. Uh, Guys, just uh, OzFest, and we got the Heidi and uh, Frank. Uh, We're doing the Heidi and Frank birthday bash uh, September 17th. It's going to be downtown at the Regent Theater. And anyone can go to that? I think, yeah, you could buy tickets on uh, the Heidi and Frank website. Um, and also OzFestMeetsNotFest.com. You could buy tickets for September 24th and 25th. And uh, we're going to leave, you know, very rarely. I tried playing music one other time with a guest, uh, Tommy Morris, the talent, the old uh, talent coordinator of the comedy store and uh, 
Tommy's definitely not technologically savvy. I am not. So, uh, but Kyle Christ set up this <laughs> Kyle this whole music like, contraption that we're he's able like, to play. He's uh, like the Ron Nevison of inappropriate Earl. You were you had everything set up already. This is all your gear. I, I just came in and just nah, plugged one thing in. Nah, but see, it only takes one person to know what that plug is. Takes a villain. That's a genius. I'm sure, Kyle knows how to plug a lot of things. So we're gonna leave you guys off with this is evil. This is that Carmine Apice drumming on cactus this is the cover we remade so right so uh, guys enjoy still rebel support them this has been inappropriate earl soundcloud and itunes thanks for listening and still rebel take us out good let's do it one two three four <laughs>